the all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. This is Sports Day. Very good evening to Bryce Gibson, David Wildey, Sports Day SA, thanks to Irrigear. To save time and water, Irrigear is here. Irrigear offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions. Get on the phone to 1300 736 736. Anything on your mind there for just quality home improvements? And here's Bryce Nostradamus, who said that Erin Phillips <laughs> would retire. Well, the very next day she retired, but what a career she's had. And Bryson, how good has she been for the women's game? Yeah, huge. Uh, an absolute huge get to, to get her across. Obviously, cut her teeth at the, the Adelaide Crows and, and had an unbelievable you know, career with them, winning premierships, uh, won the, the first league medal, uh, I think, best and fairest winner as well. Uh, and then to, to come across to Port Adelaide, obviously, we know the family ties there and to be the inaugural captain of that franchise uh, and then to go on as well again this year. Um, she's It's an absolute credit to her and, and she'll... She's been such a, you know, so, so good for, for the, the women's game of footy, but obviously not only women's footy, but you think about her, her long basketball career oh. as well. It's been uh, absolutely an unbelievable sporting career. Yeah, daughter of Greg Phillips. She played footy until she's 13, played very well, then they weren't allowed to play anymore. 18 years later, she, had, she debuts for the Crows, wins three flags, and the last two years back at her home with Port Adelaide. So... Talk about timing, and as you said, the magnificent years basketball in between Olympics, Commonwealth Games. She's played all around the world. Pretty impressive uh, sporting family, really. When you when you look at what uh, the Phillipses have, have achieved over the journey, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's an absolute credit to her. Uh, she gets to to put the feet up now and can reflect on on what an amazing journey she's had. And um, yeah, it will be interesting to see where she lands next. I think whatever she does will turn to gold. Is Erin on when she knew it was time to retire? I kept things pretty open. I mean, I think I, I come here on a two-year deal, hoping to play honestly one game and to get through two seasons. Um, I probably felt um, somewhere deep inside that it's probably always going to be this year. And it was actually probably really evident for me um, after we won against St Kilda and the knees were even, you know, more sore. And I felt that this was going to be the right, you know, the right time if I could get through the season. And yeah, so this is uh, something Lauren and I have been chatting about throughout and um, obviously someone who's been through retirement as well. So, yeah, spoke to my family and they have very, very, very supportive. Yeah, it must be hard. I mean, you you played from just a young man. You played for, I don't know, 17, 18 years yourself from at senior level, Glenelg and Carlton and Adelaide. How hard is it when that goes? Like, and, and, and I thought... You were a bit unlucky too, the way yours ended the last year, but then you went and played for South Adelaide. But when you know it's gone and you've been in such a regimented system where you turn up for training, you've got to have ice baths, you've got to do this, got to do that, your weights. How? What's it like to, to try and get in the real world, if you like? Yeah, it is It is strange. And, and you know what, to be fair, I probably won't realise it un, until probably after this year because I was you know, still playing in the sandfall up until this year, which is a, obviously a pretty serious competition yeah. still, which requires a, a lot of commitment. And, and I also work at the footy club as well. So I sort of felt like I haven't retired completely. Did it make it a bit easier still playing at a reasonably high level? Yeah, it did. But, but in, on both occasions, I knew. I knew at Adelaide that, you know, with opportunity and, and the situation around me, that it was the right time for me. And, and again, this year, 
uh, you know, you'd love to play forever at Wilds, as, as you know, and uh, that just doesn't happen. And I knew this year, probably you know, halfway through the season, that, that this would be my last season as a, you know, semi-professional and um, as tough as it is to come to that decision I think deep down the, the players that go on to have a long career when the time's right you, you you can you can make that decision and you can be pretty content with it and I think Erin yeah. summed that up uh, in, in her words just before. I thought you were really good the way you handled Adelaide because they were going another direction it's just unfortunate they culled about 14 players you came late in your career and you could see they wanted to play kids. It didn't matter whether you were playing good footy or not. And I mean, you you kept your mouth closed, and that oh, I'd be. And we were we were making the point. You should be playing. You should be playing. And was that one of the most or more difficult times throughout your your career when you think, gee, I know I can still play here, but I'm not getting the chance. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I mean, no one picked that Adelaide would go from playing in a grand final oh. to you know not making finals to bottom since, in a few years. really. So no one sort of saw that drop off but uh yeah i mean reflecting on it i mean yeah it was certainly a hard time and and it was challenging and there were times when i got the shits and you know nearly exploded at times but i had some good people around me at the footy club heath uni comes to mind uh, i was really close to mark Susanna, the doctor and and emma Barr, who was um the, the pdm down there so if i didn't have those three working close with me i, I, yeah, I could have snapped at any time but um it's hard isn't it, when you know your form's okay, but they, they're just looking at another direction. Well, yeah, that wasn't just you. There's a few, weren't there? The, the Mac Rats have been through it for two years. The biggest thing I, I came to realise is my situation, the way I carried myself. I had a lot of young guys that I was working with in the reserves. If I, if I was to turn up with a bad Spit attitude, the dummy. I could pr probably potentially bring four or five of them with me, which I didn't want that to happen. So yeah. as tough as it was to, to swallow my own pride and, and, uh, and go through that, uh, I'm not the first player to go through that and, and I certainly won't be the last but no, I, I was proud of the way I, I did handle it. I thought you handled it very very well. Erin Phillips was asked if she had any regrets uh, from her career. No, no regrets. Um, I've had, it's almost like I've had two fairy tale endings to my AFLW career finishing off at the Crows with three premierships on a premiership season and then to come here and um, live out a absolute childhood dream to be able to represent this club um, feels right and I have absolutely no regrets for it. Yeah, what a wonderful career. We're going to speak with Courtney Cramey a little bit later too who played in premierships with Erin uh, as well as talking about the, the Crows girls who are doing well. They've secured second position but um, she saw Erin close up and she got the fight of her old man. Greg Phillips was an amazing player. So I said best and back I've ever seen. I think the the women's BNF Brownlow. I don't think it has a name. Do you reckon it'd be fitting to be named well, she, after Erin yeah. Phillips? Well, she's really been the the pioneer woman that came through and and put it in lights. And I mean, she played her first AFLW game at the age of thirty one. What's she thirty seven going on thirty eight now? But it is absolutely remarkable. So. Well done to Aaron Phillips. Um, great stuff there. And as I said, we'll, we'll speak to Courtney Cramey a little bit later. Um, we've got some uh, fresh Clayton Oliver stuff. So Troy's on now. Okay, we can go to... Thank you for that, Sam, this one. Is it? Hello, Troy. How you going, boys? Mate, we've, well, we've got buttons going everywhere here, but we've got you. I can hear you loud and clear. Okay. Um long as you push my button, you're right. I'm happy about that. <laughs> we got you. Yeah. Yeah, amen. 
thanks for your honesty, mate. That's fantastic. You know. That was Bryce. Um, that was Bryce. Oh, Bryce. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Men's will be back in yeah, the seat oh. tomorrow. That's all right. You're going a day early. Oh, sorry about that. That's all yeah. right, mate. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a long way, 3K, to see who's in the studio and that. Hey, um, the Melbourne situation, mate, what an absolute load of rubbish. I'd listen to, who was it, Goodwin and Pert and, well, the king of, Melbourne, and I tell you what, they're all absolutely kidding themselves if they think that there's no issue there with their culture and everything like that. Two things I want to say is what's happened to the thing you walk past the standard, well, that's the standard, and the other thing is um, the the weakest link is the strongest, you know, is the strongest thing in the in the club. Hey Troy, so, so Troy, just to, just listen, just one moment. I agree with you. I spoke to Bryce about it. Gary Pert said it's the best culture in forty years. Have a listen to this. And I've got to say, I've I've been in the game now for forty years. Our our culture at the club, our men and women's programs, is the best I've seen in forty years. And that's because of the people, the leadership, um, the the clarity and strength and resilience of that culture. So. These behavioural issues will be held to account by those leaders because everyone's so clear on the standards of disciplines and expectations. How's that, Troy? Best in 40 years. What a load of rubbish. (laughs) He must have his eyes shut, yeah. Um, Well, he's got to be patronising, doesn't he? But they're kidding themselves, boys, because the the longer this drags on, it's worse for the individuals, and I'm not going to name them. I think most people know. And... No, they've got to help these people. Don't worry about the, you know, the culture and everything. Help these people that need the help, and that the club will become better, you know, in the long run. Yeah, great so, stuff there. We've got to move on there because we've got some good oil thanks to Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested, and first cold pressed in Northern Victoria. The great company, Sam. You got a little bit of an update on on Melbourne Clayton Olive Oil. I've, I found those comments staggering to come out and say. Well, they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes. I know, and Simon Goodwin not even having spoken to Joel Smith, I find staggering, admitting that he hasn't spoken to him because he's too angry and it's in... And that's great culture, is it? I just don't talk to him. No, exactly. We're not going to help you. No. Uh, Channel 7 reporting, AFL superstar Clayton Oliver has blamed a combination of ADHD medication and stress for a uh, a mystery hospital admission earlier in this month. We've got some audio, thanks to Channel 7, of Clayton speaking. It's been a little bit stressful. It usually doesn't get to me. I take medication for my ADHD, so I've been talking to doctors about that for a while, and <clears throat> sort of been lightheaded and high heart rate. That sort of affects me a fair bit, and I sort of fainted that day off the Watt bike. Was in bed sleeping at Joel's and got up to get to yeah, get a drink, and then so the next thing I was sort of on the ground. So amid all the allegations, really interesting there to hear that he was at Joel Smith's house. We've got one more bit of audio there from Clayton Oliver. If you want to go with that, Wilds. Uh, just a few minimum requirements of a probably basic human being. Uh, Bryce, bring into this too. This this is staggering. No one seems to want to own up to anything. Uh, I don't. Doesn't sound convincing. Anything Clayton says. Wonderful player. One of the best players I've seen in the last five or six years. But something's gone wrong. He's saying he's taking medication, this and that. But they they blame everything else. What what do you make of all that? My initial reaction and thoughts are that this sort of stuff has probably been going on for a while. And and being the player that Clayton is, I reckon you can mask it. If Mel- you're playing Melbourne well. might have been, you know, not 
paying an, enough attention to it and not maybe being strong enough to, to tell him that this isn't good enough. Um, and it's all starting to catch up with them. Obviously, this has started to play out in public and has become a, a real issue. But unfortunately for Melbourne, this isn't the only issue that's been happening. Obviously, Joel Smith uh, and the, the issues that's that's surrounding that. You've got um, Stephen May and Melksham getting, getting, in, in, getting in a fight uh, post, post the grand final. Um, then you've got May coming out in the media only a couple of weeks ago saying um, they were a better side than Collingwood and they should have won the flag given that they've only won one final in the last couple of years. So there just seems to be Simon Goodwin. There's been a lot of speculation around his behaviour and and his leadership. So it's just not one incident. It's it's a combination of things. And and I'm with you. The the Gary Perk comment about it's the best culture that he's ever been involved in, uh, whether he's just trying to sell some hope to the the fans and members out there, I'm not too sure how he sort of comes to that conclusion. But... I think Melbourne, they're in a bit of a semi-crisis here and, and they've obviously credit to them to get out and finally get on the front foot and, and speak to some of these issues. But I think they're going to be in for a hard few months at least trying to trying to work out how to uh, put all these spot fires out and get back on track. Yeah, the late, great Russell Eby used to say the modern-day player, they're so soft in the fact they get everything done for them, you know, from their washing to their, their meals to this and that. And I reckon you can get a bit ahead of yourself. He's a wonderful player, like you said, and perhaps you go that bit further. you got all this money, you got a bit of fame. Bit of, um, and uh, he, he really needs now to... I mean, this could be crossroads for Clayton. He, he can't muck up again, can he? He needs to get it right and just play decent footy. Yeah, and that's all you can do is if he comes out and admits he's made a couple of blues... Okay, that that's fine. Everyone makes mistakes, and and all he needs to do now is, as you said, work hard, put his head down, bum up, and and just earn uh, some respect back for from his club and supporters and teammates for um you know putting himself in in some of these positions where he just shouldn't be. Great stuff, all that for Cobram Estate and the show. Thanks to Lumo Energy. Switch to the affirmative. Join Lumo today and Kia. The all-electric Kia EV6, up to 528 kilometres of range. Still to come, Tuesday, true or false, Scotty Ninnis, assistant coach at the Adelaide 36ers, are going well, and assistant at the AFLW Crows, Courtney Cramey. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle, Kia Carnival GUV. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. Welcome back to Sports DSA. Bryce Gibbs and David Wildey for Just Quality Home Improvements, one 736 736 But this is a segment we like, Bryce. Tuesday, true or false? Toolkit Depot's tools, equipment, safety, gear and work. Well, I've been there. It's a wonderful, wonderful shop. The Toolkit Depot, everything you need under one roof. Tools, equipment, safety, gear and work. We're in-store and online. Do you want to open the batting with a... True or false? Well, run me through it. This is my first true or false segment, so oh, I'm going in a little bit blind here. Oh, sure. Well, maybe I'll give you the few true or falses then. Uh, okay, true or false? Australia and the world cricket will play India in the one-day final. Is that true or false? Malcolm Blight used to often say true-ish or... No, no, I think that's true. What's the format? One plays four, two plays three to yes. get into, the, into yeah. the final. So it looks like the Aussies will 
finish third, I reckon. Should. should finish third. India should finish on top. So New Zealand fourth, maybe. They win their respectful finals and, and meet each other in the final. That's uh, that's true, Wilds. Now, Sam's written this one. Sam often puts in a, a good one, our producer. He says, true or false, Bryce Gibbs is a news breaker. Now, last night, <laughs> you told me that Aaron Phillips was was going to... Um, have, a, have a listen to this. I want to throw you a question, Wilds. Um whispers that might be Erin Phillips's last game this week. She might retire. Unbelievable career. Not only AF, what we've seen her do in the AFLW, but what she's done over her, her, whole her sporting career. So there you go. Now, I don't know where you got to, <laughs> but a day later, a day later you come out and, and we spoke about Erin's great career and we'll speak to Courtney Cramey too, but um, where, you just said good sources or was it a hunch? Was it? Well, what? look, I'll put it this way. Now that I'm retired, Wilds, I've got a bit more time on my hands. So, I, you know, can do a little bit more digging and speak to a few more people. So, uh, yeah, look out. Uh, looking forward to uh, breaking a few more maybe in the next couple of weeks. Watch, okay. Watch this space. Now, this is one I've had up for, we've spoken about, I think they play nine games, 10 teams play nine games, and then you can knock out straight away in the final. True or false, the one-day International World Cup final should be the best of three. Given the fact that it's taken six or seven weeks to get there, I like it. True, but I, but then I would I would reduce the games played. Yeah, I, th- if, I think it's too you, many. If, if you could, because if you were to have a ten game tournament and then play best of three finals, if each game went, Australia don't play for five three, or six days yeah, after. I think uh, it'd, make, it'd be too long. Or but I, I don't mind it. Or they can play two on the one day you know, at different stations to tele- televise. Because I agree, this. Seems to go on a bit like the Big Bash went on forever. Yeah. Now they've reduced that to ten games from fourteen. So uh, just on the Big Bash, true or false? Alex Carey will not play white ball cricket again for Australia. I'm re- regretfully going to say true. I think uh, yeah, I think he just his batting he's not explosive enough, doesn't make runs quick enough uh, in in the white ball format, and there's some other players uh, like Inglis uh, who are probably a little bit more suited to it. From from a test point of view, though, he's uh, he's fine, but I I don't want to see it happen. But I think uh, we might have seen the last of Alex Carey. I think you answered those better than Blighty. Blighty will be listening. Say hello to Malcolm Blight too, the great man back next year. On Sports Day SA, so looking forward to that. Okay, Tom, now for the leg up. Australia's fastest growing tipping service. Get a leg up on the bookies with Australia's best tipping service. We're talking leg up. How's this, Bryce? Ranwick, Kensington, race seven, number eight, running bear. They're talking about a 51, 50 to one shot. We think she's a terrific 51 shot. This is a sort of prick my um, notice, too. She closed hard to win a strong country race. And was well supported last start when she didn't have any luck. So the leg up are going uh, out on a limb. Race seven, number eight, running bear, 50 to one. That's what you want, a little bit of meat on the bone, Wilds. Well, that's more than meat on the bone. That's a that's a whole leg of lamb, I think, there. So there you go, running bear, Kensington, race seven, number eight. Now, we're going to take a break. Still to come, plenty more. Scotty Ninnis from Adelaide 36ers and Courtney Cramey, go the Crows, AFLW assistant. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. 
Welcome back to Sports Day SA. David Wildey and Bryce Gibbs uh, for Just Quality Home Improvements. Also, Tire Power, the great race sale now on. Get into your local independently owned Tire Power today. Well, big day in sport today. The retirement of Erin Phillips and um, our next guest played with Erin in a couple of premierships too. She's a wonderful player in her own right. Crows AFLW assistant Courtney Cramey joins us. Courtney, how are you? Yeah, how you going, guys? We're going well. Um, it was a big day, wasn't it? Um, Aaron, one of the pioneers for AFLW, great ambassador, of course a Crows player last couple of years with Port Adelaide, but uh, it's always a sad day, but everyone has to retire, but tell us about Erin. Uh, yeah, look, she's the ultimate professional, um, obviously came to us from a, an illustrious basketball career, um, not only for Australia, but in the WNBA in the States, and the professionalism she brought to our program, you know, in those um, years that it was uh, very much in its infancy, the AFLW um, was second to none and, and taught a lot of the girls along the way um, those elite standards and, and professionalism. So um, she holds a legacy at the Adelaide Footy Club forever and, you know, her career speaks for itself, the accolades that she's got across the journey of her, her short career. And, and that's the thing, AFLW is uh, going to be here for a long time now, so there's going to be plenty of Erin uh, Phillips um, in its history. Yeah, well said. So a leadership quality is just as good and just as important as a playing ability. Yeah, no doubt. Um, she obviously came with a lot of experience in sport and um, was able to uh, live the, the dream of being an elite athlete for most of her um, younger years and to share those uh, stories and experiences with uh, some of the older girls like myself at the time and, of course, the young ones coming through like Anne Hatchard and um, yeah. Ebony Marinoff. Um, you know, they've really learned uh, behaviours of professionalism from uh, Flip in those early days. Uh, Courtney, she spoke today in her press conference about it's the first time that she's not going to know what's next uh, mm. in her journey, um, which, uh, which, which is nice. She's going to take a little bit of time just to, to soak it all in. Where, where do you see her for? Is, does she have um, coaching credentials? Could you see her staying in footy and, and continuing to help uh, develop the, the next crop of, of young girls coming through? Yeah, she's she's absolutely a, a competitive beast. So I don't see her being out of the sport um, for any time. I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, basketball tickles her fancy and she heads into the media world. Um, we saw her double in, in that across the journey of the last couple of seasons in terms of commentary. But no matter what she she does in, in life post-playing um, sport, she's definitely um, got, you know, value to add and um, will be good for the game of AFL or basketball wherever she goes. Yeah, probably a question without notice, but we know Daisy Pearce also did a lot for footy. It, now that Erin's going, um, who's the next one in the league you reckon has to sort of live up to that that can be the big leader in any club uh, in the competition? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of great leaders running around in the AFLW competition now and as the girls become more and more professional, um, you know, the standard of the game is, is improving as, as time goes on. So um, there's there's plenty of um, big names that are going to continue their mm. journey as as AFLW players and um, make careers of their own, just like Daisy and Flip. Now, you nailed second spot. Well done on that too. Fantastic. You had a great year. But I honestly thought North Melbourne for a lot of that game were the better side. But that just shows, even if you're not at your best, Courtney, you can come back and do the right things at the right time. You snuck in front with a minute to go, and uh, that's all that counts. Yeah, yeah, look, we 
we're very lucky on the day, I suppose. Um, the, the great thing about what the girls were able to do was just stay in the game and um, North Melbourne are, are a genuine premiership contender and um, we knew that coming into the game and their pressure was absolutely unreal and that's the type of pressure we're going to feel come finals time. So it's a good uh, warm-up for us uh, leading into finals and we were lucky enough to, to come away with the two points of a, a very handy goal from Nim Kelly. So what what is it about this team, about this organisation that, that keeps fronting up, winning games, making final series, winning premierships? I mean, you've you've lived it as a player and, and now as a coach. Is it uh, just the, the culture? The Is it Doc Clark? A lot of enjoyment, what's, isn't there? What's the secret recipe? Because it's so impressive uh, and looking from afar, um, it just seems, yeah, you're right, Wills, that the girls are just having so much fun and, and just love playing with each other and, and rolling their sleeves up uh, on a, on a weekend yeah yeah it's it's absolutely a great environment to be part of and uh early days it was uh, setting the culture with um you know with a lot of help from good people that um came into the program and um built up upon that and over the years and the journey it's about pretty much creating that fun environment and and family's always been a priority for us um and we've collectively got every single girl's family and partners involved in the journey and I think when you have happy athletes, um, you know, they, they produce some pretty good outcomes. So it's definitely that fun and, and family that's really driven a good culture for the LA Crows. And you've got Matty Clark, the coolness and the calmness. He, he's got a smile with you, winning or losing. He's been fantastic, hasn't he, for the Adelaide Crows? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, I mean, he's a, a genius uh, in footy and knows his stuff. He's been around the traps for a very long time and been exposed to a number of coaches and obviously his playing career as well and um, just the smarts that he brings in terms of how the program's built um, is elite and at a level that um, we're really competitive and, and a lot of that reward comes back to him and how he's been able to create such a good program. And you loving it, Courtney, loving the, the full-time position now and coaching with, the, with Adelaide Crows? Yeah, yeah, look, it's, it's really fantastic taking on the, the development role this year. I've been able to work alongside a, a lot of the girls that I haven't been able to work closely with previously and I just love being able to see the growth in some of these young kids whether it's improving their kick or their contest method uh, parts of their game and their leadership it's um, fantastic to be able to work with them and continue to work with the, the midfield group um, who's pretty handy I must say I've, <laughs> I've got the pleasure of, of coaching some of the best midfielders in the competition I I know the midfield get all the glory but I, I can't believe how good your back line is too and the, the, when you look at Sarah Allen comes back on the team uh, Zoe Prowse is just a youngster uh, Randall's been around for while she's been a star but I do like Chelsea Biddle too She isn't she just like a rock down back yeah, uh, Chelsea's, uh, Chelsea Bedell's actually um, stepped up in terms of her leadership throughout the year and Sarah Allen um, being out for round, round eight, round, yep. up to round eight, uh, she's really had to take those reins. But Zoe Prowse and Kira, Kira Mueller have also stood up and we actually picked up a, a handy recruit from Port Adelaide in Sarah Goodwin and she's just lightning and been really good and come in and debuted for us in round one and played every, every game since and... Yeah, the back line, although it might be young, it's um, really standing up for us and um, hopefully we get Nadja Allen back as well um, yeah. and, and Sarah Allen obviously coming back and playing her first game on the weekend. Now, Courtney, is 10 games enough? It seems like the season's over in a blink. You've still got finals obviously being there, but oh, it's just gone so quickly. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it does go quickly. You, you um, set yourself for a really big pre-season and, and train a lot and then the, the season comes around and before you know it, um, the season's either over or you're hitting finals. So, yeah, it is, it is quite short and sharp, but um, the important thing is the growth of the game and, and making sure it's a sustainable product and um, it's improving year on year and, of course, the, the crowd numbers and all of that, but... The, the girls in terms of their talent just getting better and better so it's only going to get better and more games will come as time goes on fantastic finals around the corner you got west coast this week then the finals well done again you you got over the line on the weekend and it's been a fantastic year thanks for your time courtney thanks boys cheers courtney cramey there played in two-time premiership player for the crows now a crows aflw assistant full-time too and isn't it opening up lots of positions in the world of footy for men and women? Yeah, it certainly is. And, and she's doing a, a fantastic job, uh, as, as she said, head of development and, and working with all the junior players coming through the ranks. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're set up beautifully to, to have a crack at another flag this year. Melbourne will finish top, you would think. Uh, Crows second. Adelaide second, the Kangaroos and Third. Brisbane. Um, so... Probably the winner comes out of, out of that top four, but uh, you wouldn't want to be playing the Crows, that's for sure. You asked a great question, what makes it so good? You know, I reckon it's enjoyment. Uh, girls want to have fun. That was Cindy Lauper, great tune, but they do. It looks like it's fun when you're there. As I said, Matthew Clark, he's got that uh, calmness about him, and you wouldn't know whether 10 goals up or, or five goals down. Yeah, and the great thing about the, the, the girls is that their attitude is absolutely fantastic. Seeing it a little bit firsthand when I was at the Crows, uh, you know, doing some joint sessions and that sort of thing, they they just want to learn. They're like sponges. They just want to take everything in and, and get the best out of themselves. So, um, yeah, they've, they've just gone from strength to strength as the longer they've been in this competition. Great stuff, I guess, there. Courtney Cramey, it is 6.40. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Yeah, that lead 36, certainly they were gold too. Thanks to Mate, Fair Dinkum Without the fuss, score a mobile deal as good as a Sam World, a Sam Kerr goal with Mate. And uh, talking about gold, Scotty Ninnis, all the credit goes to Scott for their magnificent win over New Zealand. He said they could do it. They did it. Scotty, how are you? I'm good, boys. I've, I've claimed all the credit myself. It's... Uh been CJ's fault for the loss and uh, my, my credit to me for the win so um, it's uh, no, I'm only joking obviously yeah look it, it was it was a fantastic win it was uh, it's always a big ask to go over to New Zealand and, and, and win over there but um, yeah it was our best effort of the year and it's uh, very very pleasing obviously yeah where, do, where does that rate when you talk about New Zealand over there you obviously the Wildcats when they're a good side that's a really tough trip you go to New Zealand when they're a good side that's just as tough Oh look, they've you know over the last dozen years, you know those two teams have been, you know, been the pace setters. You know they they they've just been unbelievable. Perth, obviously the most successful team in the competition, and with the team they put together this year, they they certainly, you know, from a talent perspective, they're as they're as talented as anyone. Um, they're they're not firing on all cylinders at the moment, but you still got to you still got to go out there and. Uh, yeah, yeah, put put that put that game together, which we're able to do at home. But then, you know, to to show that that wasn't just, you know, just a one-off, just not an aberration to go to New Zealand and um, uh, win that game. Yeah, hopefully, will give us a real springboard going forward. You put your pan, uh, plans in place, 
and your execution was really good. Just to simplify it down for the people listening now, what what was the, the motive to go play against um, New Zealand? What did you need to do right? And obviously it worked. Yeah, look, I, I felt that our game plans have been really good in, in probably all the games that we've played and, and we, we've executed them pretty well for the most part. You know, we had a you know, really poor game against uh, against the Phoenix and, and we gave up way too many points when we played the Sydney Kings. But against New Zealand, they're a little bit different. A lot of teams, they, they don't shoot a lot of three-pointers, which, which is sort of one of the current trends in world basketball. So we... We actually wanted to to make them shoot a lot of attempts yeah. and and you know rely on the percentages to go our way, which which they did. You know the game before uh, we played them, they were six or sixteen from the three point line. I think against us, they were about nine or twenty eight. So they you know they had to get their points in a probably different way than what they were used to, and and they didn't shoot at a, at a great clip. So I think that was. That was pleasing. Now, you know, in the first quarter, they were four or six of the three-point line. So you get a little bit nervous when when your plan sort of starts to go a little bit pear-shaped. But oh, I think we stuck to stuck to our guns and, you know, needed them to show us that they weren't going to beat us that way. And, and But I, I just think, you know, our resilience in that game, you know, we were down for three quarters and we were down by a point at three-quarter time. And, you know, especially on, a, on foreign soil with... You know, visiting fans and that, you know, it's sometimes a big ask. But I, I, you know, the, the occasion wasn't too much for us. We, we just kept chipping away and we got our nose in front. And, you know, I think it was 75-73 was when we hit the lead. And, you know, there was just a feeling that we had, you know, that resilience that this game wasn't going to get away from us. And, and we continued through and obviously had a great win. Uh, Scotty, obviously after a bit of a slow start to the season of... of got some really great form uh, in the last couple of games. How important is it to uh, to keep that momentum going? Obviously, back in touch with the top four, top five now. Uh, obviously, a big uh, big ask to go over to Perth uh, next week. Uh, it's always a tough road trip. But how important is it to capitalise on this momentum in uh, in the coming games? Oh, it's imperative, mate. Like you, you go back a couple of weeks when, you know, the, the world was caving in for, for all of us and... Uh, yeah, you know, we we really desperately needed to get on the on the right track. So yeah, it, it's key to us. It's you know, and you, and you know that you know the uh, Perth. There's a lot of questions being asked over there at the moment, and you know they've never accepted you know, well, not even mediocrity. They, they've never accepted really yeah. something that's not a championship contender. So you know the pressure's on over there, and and yeah, you know, we all know what sports like here in Adelaide with. You know, with with, with footy and, and basketball, and, and you know, we're such a sports-centric city here. You know, the the, the the Perth with the Wildcats and their AFL teams, I think, is another level again. So, yeah, they're going to be under the pump. There's going to be, you know, probably two thousand people. They, um, you know, we've played them three times now in in about four weeks in one of those. Wonderful quirks of the uh, of the NPL draw. So, look, we're under no illusion that uh, yeah they're going to be desperate. You know, and, and it's probably not not out of the realms of uh, possibility to suggest that you know jobs are on the line uh, over there as well. So um, that's that's great. You know, we go in there with confidence. We we know we've played well against them. 
twice now. We sh- we all feel that we should have won the game over there the first times. Red hot crack, but you're right. We really need to build on you know this momentum that we've built in the last couple of weeks. Hey, Scotty, we we spoke about Isaac Humphreys last week and how important to keep up the rage. And again, I see his stats. Once again, very good, the big man. You need him firing. When when he fires, generally the team does. So that's he's had a little nice little purple patch, hasn't he? Hey, look, he's, I feel he's a key to us. You know, like he's he's such a focal point. And, and I mentioned in our coaches talk at half time. You know, we that that you know we need to put the ball in his hands, and not just you know, not just from a scoring point of view. Every time he touched he touched it, we you know good things happen for us, and. Um, you know, he's coming off a couple of great games, and not coincidentally, both those games have been wins. So I feel there's a bit of a, you know, a, like a really good connection between, you know, DJ Vasilovic and Isaac Humphries. And I've I've mentioned a couple of times that, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, there's a little bit of that Josh Giddy to Isaac Humphries thing for a, from a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, you know, that I, that I see with those two, they've got a really good connection, and, and DJ's been really good at getting the ball to, to Isaac at times and they they play together as juniors as well so yeah, I think Isaac, a healthy Isaac Humphries the way he's playing now you know, puts us up there with, with any team in the competition so it's, it's been really exciting to see you know, the, see the way that he's been able to you know, really get into shape and you know, be a real focal point for us so far uh, and you mentioned DJ he looks like he's just come in and, and made a real immediate impact Few words on him and, and his last couple of games since coming into this side. Oh, stunning! He's, he's just given us, uh, you know, it's not just the shooting ability. You know, I just touched on, you know, the passing ability as well. But you know, from a, you know, he's a very, very strong personality and, and leader around the club. He's got no, no qualms in in calling people out if if he doesn't think they're doing the right thing. But it's also you know, really encouraging as well. He's very, very vocal, and, and you know, we we've probably I wouldn't say we've lacked that strong personality, but just having someone like him around the group has has, has kicked us up a up a gear. And, and then obviously what he's been able to do, you know, you know those couple of those shots he hit in the uh, in the fourth quarter against New Zealand, uh, you, you know, were just unbelievable. You know, yeah. you're talking about NBA uh, distance and is uh, um, odds is always willing to take the big shot and wants to take the big shot. And, and uh, you know, one of the reasons he came here was to have an opportunity to be uh, to be the man, if, if for want of a better word. And, uh, you know, he has given us a real real focal point. And, you know, it's it's a lot of a lot of the other guys that sort of come along for the ride and playing their best basketball as well. So very exciting to have him on board. Yeah, he's been a star in the last couple of games. Another potential star. A few whispers that uh, the 36ers are, are into Xavier Cooks. Uh, how's that little recruitment drive going? Oh, no, I wish, mate. I can't. <laughs> you, you get him, uh, the odds would shorten fairly well for uh, for us this year. But no, my, look, my understanding is that he's, you know, if, if something doesn't spring free in the NBA again, that he'll, he'll go to the Euro League. And, and you're talking... Uh, you're talking some pretty serious dollars when you start talking you know, the levels he's at. Would we love to have him? Well, every team in the NBL would. But uh, I'll tell you what, it would really upset Sydney if we got him as well as the Tillovich. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's uh, that's not going to happen uh, anytime soon, unfortunately. And just quickly, Scotty went out to school today, St Mary's, was it? The 
visiting? Yeah, it was St Mary's Primary down at um, down at Glenelg. We had our first uh, school clinic uh, for the year. We we do another twenty odd before uh, Christmas. Uh, you know, we have to listen to Brett Maher talk about himself for uh, oh. for a couple of hours, which is uh, you know, <laughs> the same old stories that I've been hearing for thirty years. And uh, but no, no, it was it was great. It was great great to get out. We had. Uh, probably seven or eight guys from the team out there and uh yeah it had a really really good day it's something that we you know brett and i you know have, have all you know been really focused on is, is taking the team out out you know in the community and we had a two-day camp in port Perry on the weekend and, and we're doing the schools and the holiday camps as well so it's it's great to see when you you know when you can put a smile on a on a young kid's face and uh hopefully you, you know point them in the right direction that basketball may be something for them or coming out to the 36ers game might be something for them to get excited about so no it was, uh, it was very exciting today well done to you the coaches and the players because your obituary was written but thankfully only in pencil it's uh, if it was pen you might have been in a bit of trouble but uh, you've come away from that uh, three out of four if you can knock off the wildcats this week you're really back in town well done scotty Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Scotty Ninnis, assistant coach of the 36ers. Uh, Beaumont Tiles giving away a trip for two to America's biggest footy game worth over 70 grand. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. So I want to play a couple of grabs. Um, Alex Carey, like he was the he was the man, wasn't he, there for a while. Then he just um, started okay in the ashes and his batting fell away. His keeping was pretty good. Uh, then he had a real tough sort of run of outs in the one-day stuff, and now Inglis has taken over. So I just wonder where his future is at the moment in the white ball. Yeah, it's probably a little bit at the crossroads, isn't it? I, I think that's that's where he's, he's probably let himself down, is not being able to, to do much with the bat. And he's more of a more of a technician, isn't he? He's very... Rather than just... Rather a, than just come in, slap big hitter. Yeah. 50 off, off 20 ball type operator. So, um, yeah, I think Inglis attacks the game, attacks the bowlers a little bit more than, than Alex does. But, um, yeah, he'd be you know, obviously disappointed. He'd be wanting to play, but uh, I just think that sort of format doesn't quite suit him maybe as much as it does Inglis. Well, here's Strikers assistant at uh, South Australia, Tim Payne, former keeper himself on Alex Carey's chances of playing for the Strikers this year. I actually texted Tim Nielsen when I did see that he hadn't played and said, does that mean we, we get him for the Strikers? That'd be handy. Um, be good for Alex as well to get some continuity, um, play a bit more white ball cricket. But obviously, you know, he's the number one test wicket keeper. So I think a lot of the time he's still going to be playing um, away for Australia. So we probably won't see a lot of him uh, in the strikers' outfit, which makes it really difficult for him, actually, to then break back into the 2020 side. Yeah, Tim Payne, he was on uh, Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh's show. And they also asked him the question about breaking back into Australia's one-day side. But all he can really do is, is make it um, every opportunity he does get, whether that's through injury to Inglis or a loss of, or, you know, maybe in a few months' time, Matthew Wade's not playing international cricket. He becomes the backup wicketkeeper. Uh, in the T20s, and as I said, you take your opportunities, you put pressure on, and um, and things can go your way. But yeah, I think he'd be disappointed with uh, a couple of the last well, teams in 50 over they picked, and then to not be in that 2020 squad, I think he'd be disappointed, but might spare him on to some even better things. Keeping tough when someone takes your spot and they do okay makes it difficult. I thought he'd come back in the World Cup. I don't think he will now. I think Inglis has done, like you said, so much there. But Alex, he's 33 next year. I know they can play for a long while, but 
he would love to get back with the White Bulls with just Test cricket. Yeah, and what Alex does too, he, he's such a fantastic person and, and shows a lot of leadership qualities as well. So, I mean, as, as disappointed as he would be, he'd still be providing you know, a lot of leadership, not only in that squad. And, he's a and team not being man, isn't involved, he? He is, but whatever um, you know, sort of grade he ends up at, um, he'll be fine and he'll still play well. Great stuff. You have a great night. Sports Day on again tomorrow. And uh, and uh, we've got, uh, who have we got for tomorrow? We've got Paul Bonzer and... Dan Menzel back. So thanks for filling in there too, Bryce. No worries. Bye for now. Thanks for having me. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay.